Welcome to Code Grays, an episode-by-episode recap of Grays Anatomy. I'm Teresa Rosado. And I'm Megan Totsky. And join us for Season 2, Episode 11, Owner, nope, Grandma (laughs) Got Run Over by a Reindeer. Owner Got Run Over by a Reindeer. (laughs) It's because I was looking at Owner of a Lonely Heart. Not the right page, Grays Anatomy Wiki. Uh, a song that was apparently originally performed by Elmo and Patsy. Who and the in fuck my are mind, they? that's like Elmo, the puppet. Yes. And Patsy Klein. <laughs> right? <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I hope she says Patsy Klein because that's right? who I'm thinking I, of. It's the duo I've always wanted. <laughs> <laughs> now are you imagining them in your head singing that song? Yeah, I am. And Maybe that is them. I don't know. I guess I'll find out when I legally download it mm-hmm. to use legally in this podcast that's right grandma got run over by a reindeer walking home from our house christmas eve you can say there's no do we want to start with the christmas tree we do, do. We want to start i think it's important summary? so dear listeners we haven't seen you for a few a few weeks. Ever, actually, but go on. <laughs> Holidays are are rough. Anyway, we are going to start off with an important query, let's say. Yep. About Christmas tree lights, or Christmas trees in general. Yes. All right? So, Teresa raised these questions, which I we are going to discuss live on air. We don't... I, I have some an inkling of where Teresa falls on these, as I do most things. I'm pretty easy to read. Yeah, she is. <laughs> but Megan's kind of a wild card here. I'm not entirely right. sure what your answers are going to be. And so I'm like preparing myself emotionally to be really disappointed in you. Yeah, which is fine. I'm used to that. <laughs> All right. So the first question is multicolored lights or white lights. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I would preface this with, this is actually kind of a hard decision for me, which means I have already lost in Teresa's book. You have. Because, <laughs> but I will say that I grew up in the 90s, okay? And my parents were born in the 50s, which, <laughs> which means we only had multicolored lights ever. <laughs> like, to only have white lights was an insult to the creative spirit of the world at that time. I can't you know, imagine like, Sandy having white lights. That's I know. Very like, true. that's the most anti-Sandy thing in the world, right? And she would stand by that, okay? So what's hard about that is that then when I was in high school, I was like, I can't believe that we have these embarrassing multicolored lights. <laughs> like, oh my God. Because that's when sort of we as a society evolved a little bit. Yes. Sort of in the early 2000s. We moved and then- past it. We really, really did. And I was like, I just think that we should just have white lights. And my mom was like, fuck that. We have colored lights. It's the same string of colored lights we've had since before you were born. Shut up. You don't know anything. My mother would never say that. But that was sort of the sentiment, right? Is that like, we're not buying all new white lights because you're 16 and care what people think about you. So I thought I would have only white lights as an adult. But, you know, I'm kind of back on the colored light train. You know, I'm not too cool for colored lights. There all right. They are fun and exciting and a little weird. And that's just kind of how I would identify myself. Wow. 
Wow. So really for full circle from my perspective on the um, multicolored versus white lights. Yeah. You know, I, first of all, I like the observation that in the 90s, it was color lights. Yes. With, yes. there was no question about it because my family def- definitely had color lights for a while. And as mm. a child, this is important, as a child, <laughs> I was really attached to the color lights. And when we phased them out to white lights, which I think was earlier, I think my mother was actually ahead of the curve in terms of, you know, sophistication. Uh, We went to white lights and now I look at my tree and it looks, I mean, it genuinely, it's a goddamn work of art. And I can't, Mm. (laughs) I can't imagine color lights because they would just fuck up the balance of my tree. Mm. And as I've gotten older, I've become more and more like my mother. Mm -hmm. So hard pass on multicolor lights. Yeah, I don't know. You know, and I think that like right now we have white lights on our tree, right? Like I because I understand that in order for the rest of things to shine, right? Like if you're going to have any sort of colored ornaments, having multicolored lights, I mean, there's, then there's just a lot going on. Then it's just kind of a shit then show, your tree's you know? cluttered, and everything else is cluttered in your life. And multicolored lights really give the... That's a perfect, actually, possibly a perfect analogy, right? That if, like, you are somebody who is okay with multicolored lights, you're okay with clutter. You know, generally speaking. And I, I would venture to guess that that's actually pretty true. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I think this episode alone sort of, I mean, agrees yeah. with that assessment. I totally agree. It, it's a little bit like Myers-Briggsy, you know? Like, that should be the new, this should all be the new Myers-Briggs. Fuck the old yeah. one, which has never made any sense to me. It always makes me sound like I'm a sociopath. So. <laughs> oh, I've really been drinking the Myers-Briggs Kool-Aid in the last few years, just so you know. And I'm 100% sure that my Myers-Briggs is a sociopath. <laughs> get the weirdest results and they're never the same they're never even remotely similar oh mine have been the same like every time i've taken that test over the course of the last 10 years every single time (laughs) so flashing lights or non-flashing lights again i think it's similar right like we had flashing lights as a child and like i recognize that that's the tackier issue that's i mean the tackier choice Mm -mm. We were always too good for flashing lights, and I'm proud of yeah, that. Yeah, see? Okay, wait, but I want to know where you're at with Star or Angel Topper. Okay, so this one's a tough one for me. Mm. I, like, culturally and politically, <laughs> mm. am a star person. Yes. Just as I'm a happy holidays person. It's inclusive, and I feel like whenever mm-hmm. you have the opportunity to be inclusive, you should be. However... Yeah. We have always had, like, really beautiful angel toppers. Like, our current angel is gorgeous. She's gorgeous. And I'm really attached to her, and I wouldn't, like, the tree wouldn't look complete to me without her on top of it. Mm. So if you were purchasing your own home in 10 years down the road... (laughs) (laughs) With, you know your significant other, would you want to put a star or an angel on it? Again, so tough. I feel like it really depends. Is my mom still alive? Yes, it's only 10 years away. I mean, 
okay, but have you seen the family stone? Oh my God. Why do you have to bring that shit up right now? You know, that's my most sensitive holiday topic. I know because, okay, tangent. My theory on why all of my favorite Christmas movies are like about coping with a mother's loss or like impending, you know, losing your mother, the family stone, stepmom. Hmm. I feel like if I watch them enough times, I'll be emotionally more prepared <laughs> for my first Christmas without oh, yeah. my mom. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm just going to keep watching The Family Stone until I'm completely <laughs> desensitized to it, which hasn't happened yet. But <laughs> like in 20 years, maybe. Dude, I got to believe that's the same reason that I'm watching those movies over and over again. <laughs> or like why I like anything sad, you know, yeah. like, well, it's just... It's just preparing me. <laughs> it's just putting a little money in my future, you know? <laughs> like... Gotta set those emotions For, aside. Like, the tragedy ahead of me. Yeah. Yeah. On to the Christmas episode. <laughs> so Star Angel, I think that I would put a star in my own home. But when my mom's gone, I will be using the angel that we currently have. I will keep super gluing her ass together. So. <laughs> what about you? That was really real. <laughs> um, so most recently, well, my sister-in-law's family, Jacob's sister's family, <clears throat> has been, each year they create a new star slash angel. And they typically use a picture, but in sort of like a nice way. Like, I sort of like the, the chain, you know, like, I don't know, I just sort of like it. And so they, you know, her very, very dear, close, one of her very best friends passed away <clears throat> Very young, you know, just a few years ago. She was like, you know, 43 or something like that. And so they had this hilarious picture of her where she was like doing this like cheerleader stance. And so they like cut the picture out and glued it onto a star and put it on top of their tree. And so she was like the angel star, you know? That's awesome. So it's like a little dark, a little nostalgic, has a star, has an angel. Sounds like, perfect. Everyone's a little sad, you know? Like that's, I'm not mad about that. <laughs> Anyway, so every year they pick a different it not it doesn't always have to be somebody who's died. <laughs> it could be anybody. <laughs> so I've been thinking more about that. I would say that um maybe I would I don't know, I don't really have strong feelings about it. We kinda like we had an angel, but everybody like kinda thought she was a little creepy and we had kind of a cool star and it was sort of like, oh, well, <laughs> So I probably go star. I think it's. I think you're exactly right that it's the happy holidays of tree toppers. Yeah, which feels in again a like post election climate. Every time I see happy say happy holidays to people in Montana, mm. I feel like they're internally seething. <laughs> and I've just never meant it that way. I've meant it always as a catch all for like right. there are many holidays coming up. <laughs> right. Well. Because you can say happy holidays around Thanksgiving, right? It doesn't make any sense. The outrage. God, you got to get out of there. I do. I do. And it's not like when someone says Merry Christmas to me, I like aggressively say, well, happy holidays to you. (laughs) You know, I always say thank you, you too. Because they clearly celebrate Christmas. Obviously. And you wish them well. (laughs) Or that they'll, you know, choke on a dick. (laughs) So, this episode. Grandma got run over by a reindeer. (laughs) Summary. Okay. (laughs) Summary. Okay, are you ready? Three, two, 
One, go. Okay, so this episode, Izzy's really into Christmas and her roommates slash all of the other interns really, really aren't. Dr. Bailey is um, almost ready to pop with her baby. Burke um, is just doesn't know that Christina's Jewish and is terrible about it. We have a little boy who's rejecting his heart transplant on religious and existential grounds. And we have a lot of annoying families making their ill family members' lives much, much worse while Derek continues to be terrible. Stop. I feel like we always finish with, and Derek continues to be terrible. (laughs) He just continues to be the worst. Although I would argue that Burke is really angling for that title in this particular episode. He's so bad. He's he's so bad. He exhausts me. Let's, we will get to that. Let's start off with Dr. Bailey. All right, okay. let's do it. <laughs> she's like pretty pregnant. I think she's probably seven months pregnant. Yeah, I was going to say, right? seven or eight months. Yeah. She's, How long she's, is pregnancy? Nine? Uh, nine-ish. <laughs> and I think that the interns have never seen, despite going through medical school and now are almost a year into their internship or into their residency, have never actually seen a pregnant woman before. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's really how it feels. It's very strange. I just, they're talking about her like she's just something they could never have imagined. (laughs) You know, like she's as wide as she is tall. Like, haha, it's funny because she's super short. Like, what are you? (laughs) And then it's like, what are we going to do when she goes on leave? And someone's like, she's not taking leave. (laughs) It's like. And Meredith is like the only person who's like, um, have you like of course she's taking leave what are you talking about obviously (laughs) and i just i just really don't understand that whole scene i think that they're trying to be punchy and show how patient bailey is and how young our interns are but it's really just sort of upsetting (laughs) yeah it's it's really just a bad look uh for medical interns nothing about it is is good and nothing, I think that what's really being the purpose of this scene is really to sort of show that Bailey is pregnant, right? That we haven't forgotten about that. And it does sort of foreshadow that she is going to go on leave and that there's maybe going to be not necessarily something wrong with her pregnancy or anything like that. But it it foreshadows that like she is going to give birth and this sort of, you know, very important pivotal character in this series is going to undergo change or maybe be compromised in a way that we haven't seen as childbirth is known to do. I don't have a whole lot else to say about Bailey. I mean, I think that that's just sort of a, not a throwaway scene, but just sort of an intentional sort of cobblestone toward the path of Bailey having a child. Yes, exactly. Like we have to draw a lot of attention to the fact that she's due soon because, you know, Chekhov's pregnancy. Exactly. Got it. Let's talk about Justin. I want to get I want to get to Christine and Burke, but I think that the context of Justin will help us a little bit with that. That's fine. I'm into it. I'm not really into Justin, but I'm into talking about it. Yeah. So we have a. Was I unnecessarily cruel about this? (laughs) No, no, you weren't. I actually really appreciate your. I think I I I like your perspective. Actually, why don't you why don't you start us off? Why don't you walk us through your perspective with Justin? Yeah, so so with uh, with Justin, we're dealing with a kid who um, he he was born with some kind of heart defect, um, and so he had a heart transplant when he was really when he was a baby. Um, mm-hmm. and he's about eight years old now, and he's he like that heart isn't working for him anymore, and he's been on the waiting list, the UNOS uh, transplant list, for a, a really really long time, and 
he's a very he's a realist first of all i would say mm -hmm. bordering on pessimist which is not crazy right because he's an eight-year-old kid who's about to undergo his second heart transplant Right. Meanwhile, he's got a mom who's like, he, she's pretty overbearing in her optimism, uh, in her like belief in a higher power, and in trying to treat her, her child as though he's a child, despite the fact that he's going through very adult things, right? And she's still, you know, he's, a, he's in a little boy body, so she's, she's still treating him like a little boy. He's eight. Yeah. My issue with Justin is, like, I I feel like I'm being set up to really like him because he's, like, this no-nonsense Christina-ish character. But sure. But I don't like him because, I, and I know that he's eight, so <laughs> I'll keep going back to that. Um, but I, uh, you know, I consider myself a pessimist. I mean, I consider myself a realist. Other people consider me a pessimist. That's yes. fine. But you don't have to be a jerk to mm -hmm. everyone around you. He's just a really, really rude kid. So, like, at one point, the mom says, you know, he's just, um, a, a kid has died. And so he's going to get that kid's heart. And Burke's telling him and his mother. And his mother's like, you know, Santa, Santa is got you a heart, you know, just something cute, cutesy mom shit, you know? And mm -hmm. he goes, he goes, you know, tell that badass he can keep it. And I'm like, wow, you're eight. You shouldn't be saying the word ass, number one. <laughs> and number two, like, that's not how you talk to adults. Like, that's not how you talk to your doctor. Like, mm -hmm. at eight, you should have some sense of decorum. You're not a teenager yet. This is a bad sign. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. And so I just am, so that's the first half of my frustration with Justin is he's just a fucking rude kid. And I don't think that he gets a get out of jail free card because he's going through so much. Like we have a lot of patients who are going through a lot, a lot of kid patients yeah. who go through a lot and still manage yeah. to be respectful. Sure, sure. So I hear that. And I think that Justin is a rude kid. All right. And I think that they do, I think that they push that pretty hard. You know, like, I think, I think, I think he's sort of an ext extraordinarily rude or maybe more so than is necessary. But, you know, I think that, and, and it's also hard, right? The mom is trying to be nice. She's the mother of an eight year old. She's sort of portrayed. I think we kind of assume that she's a single black mother with a young black male child, right? Like their yeah. their life is is tough from square one, and now they're being set back even further by this kid with a clearly a, a incredibly sad heart defect. But I I just can't help but think that this kid is he's very sharp, right? Like he's clearly very aware of what's going on around him, right? The line that really sticks with me is when he's talking to Burke. Or no, I'm sorry, when he's talking to the priest and he says, some other kid had to die in order for me to get my last heart. And now some other kid had to die for me to get this heart. You know, and he's like dealing with this in a very, very real way. Right. And so when his mom says, well, Santa Claus brought you that heart, like, yeah, that's cute. But that's also like very patronizing. Yeah. Right. And I think that like, for me, and I don't know, I guess maybe I... I don't know if I feel this way because I'm a teacher, because I deal with kids who need things explained in like a huge 
you know, like a huge breadth of different ways, right? A kid who you can be very real about certain things with and a kid who you kind of need to like sugarcoat even for them to understand the basic facts of what's going on in a story, right? You kind of got to meet kids where they are, not where your perspective wants them to be, right? And his mom wishes that he'd be like, oh man, Santa Claus brought me this great heart and it's going to be so great and I'm going to live forever because Santa brought me this great heart, you know? But like, that's not where he is. And his mom, like, he doesn't have anybody in his life who's meeting him where he is, right? The priest is trying to push him. Burke is trying to push him. His mom is trying to push him to be somewhere where he's just frankly not. And so to, I, I, I get the, I sort of get the, I get that he's being rude, but I also think that he's like, hey, no one's no one's listening to me, right? Like, I'm trying yeah. to advocate for myself and for what I want. And I really respect that in a kid, you know? And I think that maybe maybe it is over the top and maybe he is only eight years old. But, like, I, I he's – that's why I think that – you mentioned that I didn't know that this was one of the episodes that was submitted for Sandra O's oh Emmy nomination. But that conversation between the two of them is, like – it's so great. You know, it's it's truly, truly powerful. She really says to him, you know, like, I'm advocating for you, right? Like, you can't, if your mom's not listening to you, Burke's not listening to you, nobody else is listening to you, but I'm listening to you and I'm on your side. And you, and you can advocate for you if nobody else can. Yeah. And I think that, like, I think that that's so powerful because, like, it is so powerful to actually be met where you are. And I think that, like, at the end of the day, I think that he is pretty rude. But I'm also, that's also where I'm like, yeah, he's eight. Like, eight-year-olds are pretty fucking rude. <laughs> you know, like, there's a lot of, like, like irritating little kids who sort of behave that way. And, like, maybe it is over the top. But I think that that sort of self-advocacy piece is really sort of important there. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I would say that I think that I, I actually almost added this in my notes because I feel like that I had forgotten sort of his his real moment of vulnerability when mm. he says another kid had to die for me to get this heart. And, yeah. and even more heartbreaking when he says, like, my mom's been praying right. all this time for another kid to die. And he looks at his mom and he's like, isn't that what you've been doing? And, you know, she has. I mean, that is right. what she's been doing. That's how someone gets a heart transplant, right? And so that was a very real, very vulnerable moment to me. And it and it kind of made it seem as though the earlier sort of anger and disrespect was, was really more related to fear and just being really, really afraid. And and so I can I can get that. I still struggled with him because he was eight and all of it seemed like if he was maybe a little bit older I maybe would have been more along for the ride but I did really really appreciate the conversation with his mom and the priest I thought that was that was a really good moment of insight into maybe why he had been behaving the way he'd been behaving before and I could definitely appreciate his character more and see what you mean about like no one else in his life is is being that person for him. So he's he's trying to make that space for himself because uh, no one else is going to give it to him, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a tough it's a tough thing, and I think that w- what they I think they want us to take that away from from his story, right? They want us to take away that it is tough, and he is a rude sort of snarky kid, and his mom is a little bit like 
out of touch with the situation (laughs) or with her, not with the situation, but like with her kid, you know, where she's so wrapped up in his illness that like seeing her actual kid is very hard, which you see all the time in schools, right? Like whatever a kid is dealing with is what the parents are focused on instead of maybe the kid themselves. So, but I think that the sort of the, the secondary story to this is that this becomes a, you know, this becomes an issue for Christina and and Burke because Burke believes, of course, not of course, of course to me, I guess, that like that spirituality has to play a role in this, right? That Justin's never going to accept the heart if he doesn't want the heart, right? That like there's a higher power here. And they're in the OR with Justin and he's he's saying, you know, I hope something changes his mind so that he, he'll accept this heart. And, and, and Christina so foolishly says, Okay, let me get this straight. You don't just celebrate Christmas. You actually believe in Santa Claus? Which is like, so that's just so dumb of her. And I think that it's it's almost like, I almost think it's not a good scene because of it. But like, I, I understand what they're getting at with it. But it leads to this greater conversation between Burke and Yang about about spirituality and religion, but also so much more. That The episode starts off with Burke buying a Christmas tree, a little... <laughs> Eighteen inch tall Christmas tree, and wanting to decorate it to celebrate their first Christmas together, which of course implies several things: that he thinks that Christina is Christian, and second that she's practicing, <laughs> and third gives two shits about anything that's not surgery, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which I just think is hilarious. <laughs> she says to him, "You know, I'm I'm Jewish," and he's like, "Oh." I didn't know, which is very clear. And then says something along the lines of like, I haven't practiced religious holidays since I was old enough to know better. Essentially taking like a huge giant shit on all of Burke's beliefs. (laughs) (laughs) Which importantly, she also doesn't know. (laughs) Right? Like she doesn't know that he is not religious, but spiritual, as he describes it. I make fun of that as though I don't classify myself the same way. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah, which I think is, again, highlights that they don't really know each other, right? That they just just don't know each other. Okay. And, you know, I just... I just get so frustrated by Burke. And and, and ultimately, this, this leads them to sort of this great space, this potential for a really great space where Christina says later on in the, excuse me, in the episode, she sort of confronts Burke about, about, you know, the Christmas tree and the spirituality and the religion thing. And she's like, listen, you know, I, I, I can't, I can't even remember exactly where their conversation starts, but she's essentially, a, a arena is created for her to voice some concerns that she's had about the relationship, right? She has this opportunity to say like, listen, I told you I wanted to keep our relationship a secret and you went and told the chief, like, you know, you, you offer me a key to the apartment and then you want to move in together, right? You're constantly, like you've been saying the last <laughs> however many episodes, he's constantly moving these goalposts, okay? And, <laughs> and Burke just like, he's like, all he's hearing is, you're Jewish, I should buy a menorah. <laughs> and it's, I just Let me can't. buy this menorah to show that I listen. <laughs> to the part where I said I was a non-practicing Jew. I just like I feel like I feel like I'm being gaslighted or something like that. You know, like I just 
Because in the end, she is so, she's like almost flattered at the end of the episode. So that's what Burke does, right? He buys a menorah and it pans to him reading like a 600 page book about understanding Judaism. And he's somehow halfway through it. And, and she's like giddy about it, right? Like she's excited that this is, she's sort of touched, yeah, right? I, like, I, oh, did I misread that? No, no, I totally agree. Like she gives like the barest hint of a smile, of a smirk. Yeah. And like, of, of, it's clearly of one of appreciation, right? For his thoughtfulness. And it's like, no, he didn't bend at all. <laughs> nope. <laughs> he didn't Not bend at all. all. He just... He just packaged the same shit yeah. in a Jewish wrapping. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. I, I said in my notes, I, and this might be moving us too, too far off, but it's hard for me because I, I, I agree with Burke. Like I, mm-hmm. I find the things that Burke believes in to be the things that I believe in. Right. Like, you know, right. I consider myself a person of faith. Like I, I believe in God. I believe in a how in a higher power. I don't, I don't practice necessarily. I, I, you know, I'm superstitious as hell. I, you know, <laughs> I'm not a person who's like I need to have a scientific answer for every single question mm. that we have in the world. You know, like I wish I was that person because I think they're gen- like genuinely better people than I am. But like I'm right. not, and I'm never gonna be. <laughs> And, and so it's like, I agree with Burke, but there's, there's a way to be that person. And I feel like I learned this in college by like examples set by my friends, yourself included. Like there's a way to be that person and to like hold those things dear to you and not, and not just be a dick who takes up all the space in the room. (laughs) And, And I feel like that's, that's how it is with Burke. Like, you know, Christina's not making a big deal out of these things. She's just she's just dismissing them because they're not things that she thinks about, you know? Right, right. And he's the one who, like, who needs to have this resolution and this larger conversation that he's never going to get because it's not important to her. It's never going right. to be important to her. <laughs> and it's so unfair to push that on him. On her, I mean, like, it's just so it's oh, I like, like you said, I don't disagree with the things that he's saying. And in fact, like, I think it's wonderful that those are important to him. Right. Yeah. Like, I think it that humanizes that is, Burke for me. Like It totally humanizes him. Absolutely. But I think to force those things on your partner, like that's just you, you can't change someone's beliefs. Right. Like you cannot change someone's beliefs, particularly about spirituality. Right. That happens one in a million times. And when it does, it's a goddamn miracle. Right. And, and it's and it's through like thoughtful discourse. Exactly. You know, and this discourse is just not, not through thoughtful. gaslighting someone into believing in God. <laughs> like Exactly. And I just and I have a really hard time with her excitement at the end of the episode. You know, like I, I understand what they're getting at of trying to see like, oh, Burke can be reasonable. And first of all, what he's doing isn't reasonable. And second of all, it's only reasonable because the bar has been set so low that we trip over it. You know, I just I just have a really hard time with it. And I feel like, you know, that could be part of my problem with Justin, too, is that I he's so aggressively anti things that I 
you know, that are important to me and a little bit sacred yeah. to me, including the fat ass himself, Santa Claus, right? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so I, it's hard for me to identify with Justin. I feel like Izzy is a really solid example in, in this episode of someone who who has a specific like set of, of beliefs and like cultural values, but doesn't suck all the oxygen out of the room when she's when she's trying to convince other people of them and it and it's like you know she goes overboard with the christmas decorating right but but her friends her friends are humoring her like they're not upset by it you know they're not well, into she's not it really to get them like here's the difference between that right is that she's not saying decorate this tree with me like you will cut these Christmas cookies and you'll put sugar on them and you'll sing Christmas carols and you'll drink hot toddies with me and we will celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? Like she's putting up decorations in Meredith's home and Meredith's like, all right, like, yeah, you know? She's like, I wanted this tree, so I set it up and I'm decorating it. Right. (laughs) Which is, all right, great, you know? Yeah. And, And furthermore, you know, they have a case, I guess I'll sort of gracefully try to transition us into the next point <laughs> yeah. here. That, you know, Izzy... You had it. You didn't need to call it out. You, oh, you just had it. <laughs> right. I'll edit this out to make myself seem really smooth. Um, <laughs> she, you know, she's working with Derek on a case of a man who, uh, Tim, Tim Epstein, um, he's fallen 12 feet while hanging Hanumas lights. <sighs> okay. So, <laughs> those are just... Cr- okay. There's no such thing as hot. Okay. Hanukkah doesn't have lights, except for the menorah. Uh, it's this is. It's just whatever. got the eight it's lights. Fine. It's fine. Okay. You could name eight of the string yeah, lights yeah. to be the eight. Hanukkah lights. Exactly. That's. It's fine. You People have different Hanumas, traditions. But you don't. There are no Hanumas lights. That's not a thing. So anyway, he his family is really like no we we love Christmas and Hanukkah. Uh, they're you know clearly I mean his last name is Epstein because. The writers really wanted to be like, yep, in case it wasn't already clear. (laughs) Mixed faith family, Epstein, (laughs) and a Jacobson. (laughs) Um, So, you know, they they do a surgery because he has a hematoma or something. I don't remember what the first issue is, but they go in, they fix the issue. (laughs) Yeah, he fell from 12 feet and landed on his head. They, you know, and he's really patient and caring and loving with his kids and, and they're annoying as shit and jumping all over and being very loud and singing Christmas carols. And he's really patient with them prior to the surgery and very loving. After the surgery, he's had a total personality shift and he tells one of the girls to shut the hell up. And Which is kind of satisfying. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like someone needed to. Uh <laughs> So in the first surgery, Derek has been, you know, a downer. He's been super, you know, he's talking about what the real risks of Christmas are and, and you know, why certain rates of injury go up at Christmas and, and all of this stuff. And basically Christmas is the worst and everyone's going to die someday, probably at Christmas. Right. And, <laughs> Hashtag you <know>. family stone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Aww. And Izzy's very like, but. Christmas, you know, <laughs> and so before, you know, before the second surgery, when this guy's had this personality shift, she's very much like you had his brain open, literally open. He was laying there, unconscious and vulnerable. And you think I poisoned him with my anti-holiday venom? 
Well, you're the one that's always saying there's a lot about the brain that we don't know. How do you know that your words didn't speak to him on some unconscious level? I mean, he trusted you to be his shepherd. Dr. Stevens, you should be a little embarrassed. Yeah. Good. And so her general point is like, you were saying all of this depressing, horrible shit about Christmas, and it seeped into his brain pan, and he woke up mad. Like, that is her point. (laughs) That wasn't my line of the week, but in hindsight, it could be. When Derek's like, you think that my negative Christmas spirit impacted his brain? (laughs) Or whatever it is, it's so funny. And he's like, you should feel embarrassed. And she goes, I do. (laughs) <laughs> I do, I do a little bit and that's the thing is like she can sit there and be like I do, this is a totally irrational thought and Burke takes himself way too seriously to to just be like yeah it's crazy, but I do but it's who I am and it's what I believe, right? Like, and Izzy's unafraid to be like it's who I am and it's what I believe so that's, yeah, I talked a lot. I'm sorry. No, no, I talked a lot about the last about one. I, I, <laughs> you know, I just, I I think that that's such, excuse me, a truly wise point about about Izzy and the difference between the two, right? Because they're, they're often compared, right? And they sort of develop this friendship over over Thanksgiving and, and sort of that experience together. And I think that they're, they are compared often in terms of their belief systems and how they were raised and how they like to you know, present themselves and how they're written into this show. And I think that this particular episode does an excellent job of, of drawing a very clear line in the sand of, of how they're different. And I think that that's really important. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's kind of further, further supported in the scene with Karev and mm. with, in the whole storyline with Karev too, that Izzy's a person capable of putting her ego aside yes. in a way that Burke just isn't he's not mature enough to do it and it's crazy because he's got what you know 10 years on her it's really really true and and she's able to do that consistently she's not a perfect doctor it's 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 (laughs) these are some of izzy's final (laughs) shining moments (laughs) uh but she's 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 a good human um and burke has thus far not not proved that of himself at all no he really really has not and and i think that that's i think that's really important and i think that izzy really did sort of of win this episode not not only in terms of her like sort of self-ownership with shepherd i really like the rapport between the two of them by the way i do too it's very endearing and delightful and, and like genuine in a way that you know i don't know he's such a Patrick Dempsey is amazing in that he can have chemistry, I think, with anyone. He has such great it's, chemistry it's, with Catherine I Heigl. I know. <laughs> and like, it, and it's, it's a true demonstration that we don't see chemistry between him and Addison. You know, it's like, it's like, oh, my God. That's like acting credit all of its own. Yeah, it's, <laughs> like it really is. Off. In it order really to be, is. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really is. Anyway, I started it's the nice next season and they were like, they found a heart for Denny Duquette. And I actually said out loud in my living room, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really looking forward to the third I'm really looking forward you. to our heated conversations about Denny Duquette. Yeah. Because I we, think we have different. Uh, we're going to get in it. Yeah. 
We're going to be in it. <laughs> but this episode, what else do we have to talk about? We should probably talk about Karev, huh? Yeah, I would love to talk about Karev. Um, I, I, so <laughs> Karev failed his intern boards, which based on the way that his fellow interns are talking about this, <laughs> makes it sound like Karev failed a pre-algebra quiz. <laughs> you know, like even George is like, dude, you failed your intern boards. Like, like the way they're talking about it makes it sound like you or I could pass them tomorrow without studying, probably hungover. <laughs> you know? Like, I just don't. Maybe I don't know. We gotta talk. We need to have guests on the show and we need to have a doctor and be like, what was your intern exam like? Yeah. Because yeah. I'm a little bit less impressed with your MD <laughs> right now. <laughs> so Karev failed his intern <laughs> intern exam slash his pre-algebra test. And, and Meredith, of course, just, she just wants to help him. You know, like, she's just like, she's got a real soft spot for Karev. We've sort of seen this friendship blooming a little bit. And if you are caught up on present day Grays, it's actually very, very like heartwarming me. to s- not, <laughs> not, <laughs> not. In 2017, mm-hmm. you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and she just cannot help but help him, you know, like she just, she, so she helps him study and then Christina walks in on, it's, it's a wonderful sort of like clown car, right? Like Christina walks in on Meredith and she's like, I can't believe you're helping him. And she's like, she's one of us. We got to help him. And Christina's like, okay. And then George walks in. And that's like maybe my favorite scene is when Karev is trying to give Christina a mammogram <laughs> or not a mammogram, a, just a basic breast exam. <laughs> and George has this great line where he's like, Christina's trying to explain like, no, I'm helping him study. And George is like, I can't focus when his hand's on your poop. <laughs> and I just feel like he spoke for all of us, you know, in that moment when he says that. Anyway, then George helps him study. And then eventually, of course, Izzy walks in and see, sees George, her, you know, very best friend, helping, is, or I mean, helping Karev. Izzy has a great moment of, I, I mean, ultimately, of course, we all know she's going to help Alex study for his boards. And it's a great scene between the two of them. Like, Izzy's just such a better person than you or me that it's just really, like, it's humiliating, but also just sort of like, yeah, you would do that. And I just never would. <laughs> you know, it's because just nice to watch. the people we date or sleep with are dead to us once that We is talk over. about them in the past tense. <laughs> Yeah, we were you talking know? about this before the podcast. We were. <laughs> but not Izzy, because she's an angel. No. A Christmas angel. She is. She is. And she has the best line where... <laughs> it's it's our line of the week. It's our line it's, of the week. It's so good. We can just start our bits with this it's if the we delivery, want. yes. I think that's the perfect transition into our bits. <laughs> Why do we keep calling out our transitions when they're so I seamless? I don't know. <laughs> I don't trust our listeners to figure out that we're transitioning between topics. But, hmm. I think it's just because <laughs> we're awkward. I've been coaching a lot of high school speech and debate, and I've been hammering my students on transitions. So I'm, I'm so used to, at this point, identifying their absence or presence that that can be right. what it is. Song of the week. Song of the week. A lot of good ones. 
I'm like a real sucker for a good Christmas song cover because maybe it actually comes from a place of that I despise bad slash new Christmas songs. And I'm a pretty firm believer that there are about a dozen Christmas songs out there that are acceptable. And we should just keep remaking them. Exactly. And in by like, you know, Michael Buble mostly. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I have an indie rock Christmas playlist. And I play it every year. It involves Death Cab for Cutie, yep. C-Fan Stevens, Arcade Fire, Drunk, yeah. singing See? Jingle Bell Rock and not knowing the lyrics entirely. It's my favorite thing. Yeah. I just think that if you just redo the ones that already exist, you're bound to succeed. Anyway. You know what? I do like the Killers, though. They put out a new Christmas song every year. Oh. And I really like those Christmas songs. I also like, just really love large, the Killers. They're good. Boots, great. Heartbreaking, great Christmas mm. song. But yeah, huh. aside from that, terrible. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good to know. I'll look into that. Yeah, do. So for me, I really love the It Came Upon a Midnight Clear by none other when I looked it up than Sixpence None the Richer. What? Christmas album? Oh, How great is that? Do you know it that was they delightful. Were like a Christian band. Really? Yeah, but like in a cool way, like in a Sufjan way. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, that's what I, meant. <laughs> yeah, I was like. Mm. Your face was like, "That's impossible." <laughs> <laughs> Which fair, <laughs> but like even Got the it. hardest atheist listens to Sufjan and is like yep. pumped for God. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's true. It's true. It's very subversive. It's extre- like, good on you, dude. It's really true. But it's a yeah, that's a great pick. Good song. So I had, yeah, and it's toward the end when there's a lot of montages, and I'm generally, you know, sucker for the montage. So but you had a different one. What was yours? I did. I had, uh, it was kind of a weird one. It's a band called Holidays on Ice, which I don't think is real. Mm-mm. It's just the Diddy Bombs in there. <laughs> Holiday guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh god we gotta have the founding members of the titty pops i like that you appreciate that they've evolved over time <laughs> i want to know <laughs> we gotta get them on here <laughs> oh, oh god anyway <laughs> i want to start a titty pops cover band <laughs> Got the titty box. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> oh, it's good. It's good. I would listen to that ten out of ten times. <laughs> oh God, I hurt. Okay, uh, holidays on ice. <laughs> the song is "Here Comes Your Ride," and it's the song that plays during Justin's conversation with the priest slash his mom, and it's suitably sad. <laughs> Um, just like yes. Christmas movies. <laughs> like Family Stone sad or like Stepmom sad or like... Family Stone sad. Just... Got it. Got it. Goodbye, beautiful, it's time. The daisies are trampled. It's such a crime. You look so... Death Tally. <laughs> 
Speaking of. (laughs) One for the death tally. Tell us who that is. Well, Megan, I'm glad you asked. It's whatever kid died (laughs) to give Justin his goddamn heart. (laughs) Womp womp. So, 007. Um, Here we diverged. Who did I pick? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I kind of think Alex. (laughs) I'm just saying, he failed his pre-algebra quiz. (laughs) So, I mean, once I read your point, I was like, I mean, that's pretty unimpeachable logic. (laughs) I'm just saying it's pretty bad. (laughs) I said said Derek Mm. because he really like causes a Jekyll and Hyde situation <laughs> uh, in that guy's brain. Uh, but I like Alex actually better just because it's just failure of the best guy. It's really is. I mean, that's really, he failed his boards. I mean, 007 is when you fail something and yeah, you know, yeah. failed his boards. Derek's a good choice though, because it's not really clear why he missed that second hematoma really ever other than just like he had too many feelings. I also, just as a note, uh, what's his name? George. <laughs> Sorry, George. George uh, tries to make a new, like, 007, right? Because George is the 007, oh, yeah. so he tries <laughs> sad. the sad. Karevian, like Dr. Paging Dr. Karevian. It's sad when he does that. <laughs> it's the lamest fucking thing George has ever done, and that is hard. It's really embarrassing. <laughs> hard and bailey so gloriously calls him out on it and is like no i know (laughs) i get it (laughs) it's bad stop yeah yeah it's sad crev of the week man i gotta give it to burke because for his his incredibly shallow worldview of worldview and also just like basic view of his you know partner who lives with him (laughs) I yeah, just, sorry, his about. scope is really the word I'm looking for. Bur- Burke, because of his terrible scope for basically all things related to other human beings beside himself. I I like the Burke option. I was just, I was just like throwing out things. Mostly families. Nadia's family. We didn't even talk about Nadia because it's not but that it's interesting. It's too exhausting, to be honest. But her family, just, you know, just know that her family's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, they're awful. Chief resident man, I think that we did agree here that it's it goes to Izzy. Gotta. She just really crushes it. All right. I think that uh, for me, the the point of of her rising above, at, in order to assist Alex and you know helping him study was really, man, that's tough. And it was really good. And it, you should talk about the other one. Yeah, and just you know, she does it in a in a goofy. Uh, way that's easy to make fun of but she really does advocate for her patient tim uh and it really convinces derek to take a second look at at his scans so Mm -hmm. because she's you know her (laughs) like her reasoning is silly sure but what she's getting at is exactly what happened that Mm -hmm. something was not right in his brain you know, after the first surgery. And it was worth taking a second look. And it was worth taking a second look. So good job, Izzy. Yes. Agreed. (laughs) Line of the week. (laughs) The best. 
It's Do you want best. to set it up a little bit? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's it's Alex. You know, she goes down and she decides to help Alex, and she's crying and she's <laughs> pretending that she's a farmer who has pesticide poisoning, and it's like very funny and sad and sweet. And and Alex is like Izzy, like I never meant to hurt you, and she's like. I'm not Izzy. I'm a farmer. And she's got this like great line. And is and Alex is like, he's like, but you're crying. And she's like, it's part of the illness. I can't stop crying. <laughs> it's really a great moment. And Alex is like, I never meant to hurt you, you know, yada, yada. And they go back and forth. And she says, and he's like, why are you even helping me? <laughs> and she looks at him and through her like, you know, as ugly as Catherine Heigl could be through her, like, ugly crying, looks at him and says, Because it's what Jesus would freaking do! And she says it with such, like, like, you gotta believe that, like, Catherine Heigl even believes that. Yeah. It was, (laughs) it's great. Her delivery, the line itself. It's just aces. It's so good. It's an indelible quote, and I use it actually a lot, because it's hilarious. It's never not hilarious to say. It's so good. It's so good. Uh, thank you, Izzy, just for this whole episode. Thank you, Captain Michael. I know. Happy holidays I know. to you. Seriously. <laughs> Wherever thank you, you for are that. in exile. Yes. So, medical fact of the week. Mm. Oh, God. Let's, let's, we'll be quick on this. We decided, <laughs> this has nothing to do with the episode, and I kind of think that in our current political climate, this is just going to happen more often, where we're just going to take utterly absurd policies and expose them despite like far more educated uh, more well-spoken people doing the exposing in yes to us we don't care <laughs> yep <laughs> so the the latest issue is is that is that texas is a hellhole but um and this is someone who once lived in texas mm. so they they recently passed a law which is actually already passed in um indiana thank you mike pence in louisiana but uh basically texas will now require the burial of aborted (laughs) fetuses yeah you've probably heard about this story but i just want to get into it a little bit because it is yes So in 2017, my favorite actress in the world, Elizabeth Moss, is going to be starring in a television adaptation for The Handmaid's Tale. Mm. In early 2016, I was ecstatic. I was so ecstatic. It was my pinned tweet for a while. Just the announcement (laughs) of Elizabeth Moss starring in The Handmaid's Tale. I love that book. I love Elizabeth Moss. So all in, Right. right? Now, as 2016 comes to a close, I'm like, why do I need to watch The Handmaid's Tale? Because I'm fucking living it. (laughs) Starring all of us. (laughs) Somewhere, Margaret Atwood is just like in a bunker. She may never write again because she feels like (laughs) she wrote the future. You know what I mean? She's like, fuck, I did this. You didn't, Margaret. You're brilliant. Stay brilliant. (laughs) So, so this, it goes into effect on December 19th, so not long from mm. now, just in time, just in time for Christmas. It's Monday. Just in time for Christmas. If you're getting an abortion right before Christmas and you're not sad enough already or traumatized enough already by that, um, great news. 
you will now need to bury, like officially bury, aborted fetal tissue. So the rules state that this fetal tissue can either be buried directly after an abortion has been performed or, this is so generous, it can be buried or scattered after it has been incinerated. So like if the process of getting an abortion wasn't already so mm-hmm. emotionally difficult for, mm-hmm. I, I would argue probably most women who get abortions, uh, yeah, right? Um, yes. Both physically and emotionally. Yes. Um, now you have to think about the remains of the fetus. <laughs> Let's just take this that another... you just aborted because you you couldn't you couldn't have that fetus go to term. But now you need to take care of it after you've aborted. So good, good. Exactly the thing that you could not do. Fetal remains. To be clear, this is all from the New York Times, um, for the record, but. Fetal remains can also be steam disinfected before burial, according to the guideline. Um, So this is thanks to Texas Governor Greg Abbott. So Mr. Abbott, a Republican. Shocker. What? Shocker. He's a Republican? Shocker. Um, Yeah, that's a small small government, unless unless we're talking about gay people or women. Um, in which case we will literally crawl inside of your uterus to legislate. Mm. He said that I believe it is important to establish higher standards that reflect our respect for the sanctity of life. (laughs) I don't believe human and fetal remains should be treated like medical waste and disposed of in landfills. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. 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 <sighs> so it's a little bit, you know, someone brought this up in the Jezebel comment section, I think, and which is a hit or miss place to hang out. Sure, sure. But someone mentioned, yeah, and this was such a great, great point of, of Legally Blonde when Elle Woods... Mm. says you know but why this sperm about a man who's trying to um gain custody of of a child that he was a donor for and and basically she's making the point that like all emissions from a man are viable right right so so why this particular sperm was he so intent on following through with right yeah so it's it's crazy that we're somehow legislating women's bodies and yet men who i forget what the statistics are about jacking off but let's say all the fucking time hypothetically (laughs) are not we don't ever question the genetic material that's being wasted, right? That's all viable. That could be a life. Yep. So as I think that equally men... Equally so as anything that my body can produce. Sure. So I think that men should probably have to, um, you know, dispose... Incinerate their sperm. Yeah. 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 I think that's I probably think good. And then put tissues... it in a tiny little coffin and yeah. then bury it in their backyard. Yeah. Say a fucking prayer yeah. over... Let's have a ceremony about it. Yeah. We can invite Burke. Yeah. It's... 
<laughs> I think that the the story of it being mandatory, like that the the story is horrible and terrible and surprising in its own right and awful. But like it doesn't surprise you, you know like this the oh, the sure. Elwood's thing I think is like very I think that's very apt and I think that that's very true and but it's mostly to me my reaction to that is like yep you know that's why your insurance will cover Viagra <laughs> you know yeah it's the same argument to me right that like the 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 sexual needs of men are taken as as medicine yeah. As, as just you know. a fucking given. Just, I, you well, know. As, a med- as a medical given, right? That like Vi- Viagra is covered by insurance, right? That you, sperm is not treated as, as potential life, right? Like it's, it's because it's considered something that men need to do. Yeah. Right? Like that that's, that's a, that's a part of what it means to be a male. And it's, it's of course absurd that these people, Republicans, I'm speaking specifically to Republicans. They're, so one, the hypocrisy of being a small, small government party. You're full of shit. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows you're full of shit. You know you're full of shit. Congratulations. Yep. Great. But then it's also this issue of uh, they're, they're also totally against sex education initiatives, right? Yep. So teaching kids how to have safe sex is off the table. Providing condoms via some kind of mandate <laughs> is off the table. Birth control requirements through mm-hmm. employer insurances, like employer-sponsored insurances, are off yep. the table. And yet we're going to go ahead and create a mandate about disposing of fetal tissue. Right. Out of the four things that I listed... <laughs> <laughs> Like one of these things what? is just what not like this? the other. <laughs> it's just what the fuck are you talking about? If you don't want to take care of women who are pregnant and feel overwhelmed financially, emotionally, situationally, yep, by carrying that that child to term, if you don't want to take care of the women, you would <sighs> The fetus is somehow more important to you than than the female body. <laughs> yep. I wh- I don't think that you should be allowed to legislate. <laughs> I guess. And frankly, like, what is? I mean, so add a step at the end, like add another step. Like, do you know that four steps ago we had a step that could have prevented these later four steps? And so why are you adding a fifth step? That's causing a lot of money and a lot of problems and a lot of frustrations and a lot of like, you know, name calling and finger pointing when you had an option five steps ago to never stop this in its tracks. (laughs) Like, I just don't I just don't understand. To me, to me, this story just like completely. I understand if you're against abortions. Okay. Sure. Many, many people are against abortions, okay? I do not have an issue with somebody who is against abortions as an individual, all right? As an individual, I understand if that's how a human being believes about abortions, okay? But this story really rocks my ability to understand that argument anymore. Yeah. You I know what agree. I mean? 
Like, it just, it feels like, now I just feel like we're talking about something completely different. Yeah. And I just, I really fail to understand how, who it's helping, how it's helping, and and ultimately, like, what the end goal is, other than just destroying women. (laughs) You know, like, I just don't. I feel like the statistics would support that most women are having abortions um, because they are not stable enough financially mm-hmm. to support a child, right? Mm-hmm. So to punish them for making what is the responsible choice mm-hmm. in order to not burden the so-called welfare state, another precious point for... <laughs> fucking republicans um is 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 i I, so so we're gonna fine them essentially Mm -hmm. you're fining them because there's a financial cost in addition to the emotional cost of having to dispose of the fetal remains and the fetal tissue we're fining them for making what is the best choice for them and honestly probably their community at large right Yep. How does that make any sense? <laughs> Here's a tax on being considerate and logical. <laughs> Here's a tax on advocating for yourself and what you need and for mm-hmm. your future. Mm-hmm. Right? Not, and that's not even considering the women who have been raped who have been assaulted, who are pregnant, totally against any kind of consent, we are now also fining them for something wildly out of their control. As if, like, the resources for rape victims and the just widespread existence of rape culture isn't punishment enough for these women. We're going to find them now on top of it. I don't understand how that's the Christian thing to do. (laughs) So, again, the party that believes itself to be directly connected to Jesus Christ could really reconcile that one for me. And again, I don't understand how it's the small government thing to do. To me, the small government thing would be Leave women the fuck alone. <laughs> Leave them alone. <laughs> Leave us alone. Why is this your business? It's a joke. It's a joke. It's a joke. The Texas, so again, according to this article, as, as we kind of wrap up, the Texas Medical Association and Texas Hospital Association expressed a similar concern uh, to abortion rights activists in a letter to the Department of State Health Services saying these rules once again will present regulatory intrusion into Mm -hmm. the unique relationship between doctors and patients. Some better news is that in response to measures like the one sponsored by vice president-elect and already elected crazy person Mike (laughs) Pence and uh, the law in Louisiana, there's been there's been a huge a huge pushback. And yeah. one one Facebook user <laughs> has uh, has put forth the idea. Um, their post 
says as of December 19th, um, and this is according to Refinery29, um, as of December 19th, all miscarried and aborted fetal tissue must be cremated or buried in the state of Texas. So if you aren't sure about the fertilized status of your used tampons, panty liners, <laughs> or indefinitely ruined underpants, place them in a four by six bubble envelope Ooh. and mail them to the office of Governor Greg Abbott for testing. It's your civic duty. His address, so Governor Greg Abbott, office of the governor, P.O. Box one two four two eight austin a-u-s-t-i-n texas or t-x and postal code seven eight seven one one so carry around an envelope and they Put also your say in it. <laughs> this is according to broadly lest men feel out of this protest <laughs> this <laughs> Satanic Temple spokesperson, which, like, shout out the folks of the Satanic Temple who post-election have just been on the ball about calling out bullshit. <laughs> um, so this guy, the spokesperson, Jex Blackmore, that's a real name, started, <laughs> wait for it, come rags for Congress. Encouraging people to send Abbott samples of semen, or at least fake versions of it, smeared on socks. <laughs> All right, so things are getting worse. They're just going to keep getting worse. Uh, I don't know if you're following the news, listeners, but um, yeah, I think my final thing before we go would just be to say, uh, don't tune out the news. You know, I like I know it's hard and everything is really shitty right now. Um, and you want to just like curl up with uh, the Gilmore Girls <laughs> and and like pretend things aren't happening or not even pretend things aren't happening, but just just get through Christmas. Um, and I would say don't do that, you know, um, keep reading, keep listening and stay engaged um, because they're terrible <laughs> Totally un- unconstitutional things are happening, and and it does no one any good if if progressives just check out for their sort of mental well being. Yeah, we have to pay attention, and we hope that um, I at least I think that doing medical facts of the week like this, <laughs> maybe with less profanity. <laughs> well, or not, because I think that I I hope that our passion is conveyed to you all. Right, that it, it it's conveyed through each episode, but it's also conveyed through these facts that that there's a reason that we're not focusing on like whatever fucking hematomas happen. This episode, <laughs> yeah, that, like right. we we hope that you find a, a like-minded, you know, two like-minded women to all of you, and that if you don't know about some of these things, that it is helpful to to hear them and to, you know, I don't know. I, I, I think that we generally do a pretty good job of, of giving you a call to action such as come rags for Congress. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But I, I think that be, being informed is uh, being informed is important. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it can it can kind of be a privilege right now. So if you have if you have that privilege, I don't don't waste it. You know? Yes. Is, is what I'd say. So, yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for listening. And um, we, we're we going to keep trying to be regular in our posting. It's a little bit difficult with the holidays. Um, so we just hope you can 
you know, bear with us a little bit. Um, we have families, <laughs> things that are in Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> it's hard to believe. I know it's, it's surprising, um, but true. Um, so as always, you can uh, find us on Twitter. I'll start with that at code underscore Grey's underscore lively Twitter account sometimes Mm -hmm. uh you can also reach out to us and we'd love to hear from you codegrays at gmail.com we also have a site through tumblr um code-grays.tumblr.com and then finally for this podcast to listen or to share you can find us pretty much anywhere that you listen to podcasts so uh podbean is our wonderful host but we are also available on itunes where should you should leave us a five-star review because it's the holidays and because it's what jesus would freaking do exactly right <laughs> he would <laughs> nailed it that was so good <laughs> uh and we're also available on stitcher and Acast. so thanks so much grandma got run over by a reindeer Walking home from our house Christmas Eve